the way I identify as a pansexual is I do not have a gender preference. So there is no one gender that I like more than others. I really date people. So my favorite quick term, because we love our little phrases, is hearts, not parts. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, why of it all. Oh my God, today, this is the first time that it's like the trifecta we have had. My guest today, again, once again, is Joe. Now, Joe, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret, which I didn't even know I had, is that I am pansexual. <gasps> it's been a journey to get there. <laughs> Boy, howdy has it been for you. Okay, so Joe's been on two other times, and right every time we go to a deeper layer of vulnerability, authenticity, rawness, realness, and it started. Why don't you take us back if you haven't listened to the episode, but it started. How did it start for you, Joe? Can you just give a brief? Sure. Um, so I uh, had this fear of intimacy, which was like a fixed operating policy. You call it sexual and romantic anorexia, which means I compulsively avoided dating, romance, sex for a very, very long time. Yes. And then finally at 34, after doing a lot of work on myself, I started dating for the first time. Um, and, but the sex, like the sexual anorexia was not shifting. So I went to something called a surrogate partner mm -hmm. and she walked me through physical intimacy. And when we both decided we were ready and that we wanted that, we had a sexual relationship for a few months. I got very comfortable with sex. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, ended and I was still I started dating again but I was still kind of grieving I found this practice of Tantra which we also talked about last time yeah where I've been exploring my sexuality in that as well and sensuality and that episode made me really uncomfortable you can hear me like crawl out of my skin which made my husband laugh FYI <laughs> so if you yep. want to hear Brianna really uncomfortable go listen to that episode and this one is about like your true sexuality Yes, absolutely. Uh, that I, I, I had pushed it down for so long because yeah. everything related to my sensuality and sexuality is still connected and tied up in that anorexia. I'm like, I'm not clear. I'm not uh, um, cured. I'm not yes. cured, but I have to work each day and I have a program, a daily program I follow. But certainly like that, the willingness to really look at that and to own that mm -hmm. took me a long time. And I guess I needed that sexual shift 
last year with the part circuit partner in order to bring me to this journey where I was like, Oh, and it really was a moment like that. It was just an O moment where I just, I just kind of clicked all in all, like all in this one moment, everything came into place. Which I want to talk about that moment, but can you explain to people what pansexual is? Because it is a newer term. Yes. Most people scratch their heads. So for those who don't know the term, the shortcut (laughs) is, is bisexual. Like that's the close enough in terms of that. The reason what pansexual makes, what makes it different is, and again, everyone's got their, there are definitions to these words, but that's definitions are not identities. So everyone's going to identify differently. The way I identify as a pansexual is I do not have a gender preference. So there is no one gender that I like more than others. Mm -hmm. I really date people. So my favorite quick term, because we love our little phrases, is hearts, not parts. Oh, my God. I love that. But I also heard somebody explain it like the energy that is exchanged. Like it's about the energy. It's not about the actual like gender, the parts, like you said. Exactly. And like, I think my journey in Tantra episode 102, you can check that out, (laughs) uh, talks about the, the work we do in there. We start to see less about the outside of people and making judgments or perceptions are being fixated or focused on that we just see souls we just see people and like Mm. that helped me a lot as well coming to terms with being pansexual so i will date men i will date women i will date non-binary people i will date trans people i will date anyone of any gender and there are a lot of genders out there and i'm still learning some of them um still learning the lingo yeah Uh, and i will date anybody their gender is not does not matter to me. It's about, as we said, the energy exchange and the person that I'm dating. That just gave me chills because that's such a beautiful way to live, right? I'm definitely not pansexual, so I don't have that inclination. But just you describing it was like, oh, that sounds lovely. Like, I would love to experience that, like having no preference and just going by the the energy and the connection with the person. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like how there is no judgment or no, anyone can identify however they want to, like if you're listening and you're heterosexual, that's who you are. And that's perfectly normal and beautiful and fine. Yeah. You know, we just want everyone to be able to identify and live their lives as who they really are. That's all we want. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. So let's take us to the moment that you're like, Oh, Let's take on that journey. <laughs> uh, let's start on that journey. Um, so I would say to start with, mm-hmm. the first time I became aware of these kinds of feelings was in high school. Okay. Um, and I think I, I would say that the stories that I've heard of people coming out as homosexual, mm-hmm. I can imagine if you are homosexual and you start to realize that at whatever age you come to terms with it, and you're looking at a word, world that is very heterocentrized and it's yes. just like heterocentric and very focused on that. I can imagine how you, uh, someone in that place would feel very much like an outsider and not know how to live. And do they come out and deal with that resistance or do they hide or do they pretend? Yeah. Everyone's got their own journey on. For me, as because I'm pansexual, I could lean into my heterosexual side of that for a long time and just be there and feel comfortable or two more abouts there. That makes um, sense. So you f- still felt like yourself because you just leaned into that part of you more. 
Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that also as a recovering addict, we tend to lean into the parts of ourselves that are most comfortable for us. Yeah, right. We don't like discomfort at all. I don't want to feel Not any discomfort. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. Uh, and so I remember when I was in high school, mm-hmm. the term bi-curious was floating around. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard. I didn't hear the term pansexual for many, many years. And when yeah, I was in high I haven't school, until recently, honestly, I would I say the it, last 10 years. Right. I think it's really come out into the mainstream in the last 10 years. And before that, it only existed in the community. Yeah. Uh, the LGBT community. Uh, and uh, so I, I remember feeling like maybe I'm bi-curious. And there wasn't a, a I don't think there was a boy or a man that I was interested in at that time, mm-hmm. because at that time I'm thinking men, women, like there was still very binary at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I do remember having those feelings and I was driving with someone, mm-hmm. a friend of mine, um, and, um, they, I was talking about it in a general sense. I wasn't identifying with it. Okay. And they said, you know what? I don't believe in, in, and bisexual, you're the gay, you're straight. It's either one or the other. And I remember that moment, like I felt because I'm very shy and very sensitive. I think that ha- made me kind of go into myself a little bit. You know, yeah, not, you shut down. I'm not blaming them. Oh, no. yeah. And I'm not blaming them. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, but that's like, that's where I was at. And that person, um, ironically, later, we think uh, was a closet, a closet uh, uh, homosexual. So <laughs> Usually that's the people that are usually that anti are some, yeah. you're like, hmm, mm. thou protest too much. It. Huh? What's going right. on? Exactly. So I think I told some friends in high school about that. And I did get some resistance from my male friends. Mm-hmm. Some were very supportive. Women were very supportive. But like, I just, you know, and that was before I knew what trans was. Yeah, I'm sure there were non-binary and trans people in my world, but I was not aware of them. I did not know that that existed at that time. I never heard of that. So I, you know, I just kind of closed off. And and that also was right around the time that I had this bad experience with uh, this one tiny relationship I had in high school. Yeah. And that's where I closed off in my anorexia as well. So they're all kind of connected together. What was that bad time? Can you say? Because you didn't share that last time. Oh, I didn't. Uh, So I was in a relationship with with a woman in Mm -hmm. high school. Uh, at that time, I was still, my body dysmorphia was still very strong mm-hmm. and I lost Which men weight. have too, because a lot men of time we just to. talk about women's body there dysmorphia. Are yeah, at least a million men in this country who have eating disorders and there's probably more because we don't. Probably more. I'm telling you. We don't get you help. No. <laughs> we don't know how to get help. Men don't do that. And that's Mm-mm. why we die sooner. Um, we just don't do that. You guys just uh, holding all your trauma and it, it takes yeah. you down. Yeah. <laughs> all genders have their own issues and feeling trapped in their roles but at least what i love about women is they actually ask for help when they need it which yeah it's really good yes uh for the most part um everyone's different but um i yeah so i uh i had this relationship with this woman this girl mm-hmm. uh and um she was just very much she was very much had unhealed trauma and was very sick just like me so we were both had that narcissistic codependent kind of thing going Trauma on. Trauma bonding. Oh, it was terrible. And she mm-hmm. was just really abusive at times. And then she was, she just kind of would just feel embarrassed to be seen with me. And it was just, you know, it's high school, but it's still, it was just, it that like really closed me off. And as well, I found a, a partner who co-signed or like, reflected back to me what I thought of myself yeah. <laughs> and my own self-hatred <laughs> and the experiences I had with my mother when I was a kid, all the anger and the screaming and the, why are you so, how could you be so stupid and all that emotional abuse that I, I experienced? 
That's what I tell people. If you are in a toxic relationship or bad relationship, what is that person saying to you? Because that's usually how you feel about yourself. And you picked them for a reason to amplify that feeling that you have of yourself. Exactly. Precisely. Mm -hmm. And now I get to choose people who amplify the parts like the amplify me and hold me up in in a beautiful, positive, loving way, rather than reinforce my own negative beliefs about myself, which are not true. Um, I never were. Exactly. So, so yeah, it took a long time. It was a long journey. And I remember it didn't resurface until I started working my recovery program, Sex and Love Acts Anonymous. Mm-hmm. I started a dating plan to give me, it's like a structure that we use to help us keep us out of our disease and in recovery. And, and, um, because it's not a curable disease. And I've said no. this, and I just want to say this again, sex and love addiction is not a curable disease. It's treatable. So you have to daily practice. You have to have these th- structures in place to help you navigate the world in healthy relationships. And and I, so the way I identify mainly in program is I'm a sexual anorexic, but I'm also a love addict. So I can, and those tend to be on opposite sides of the spectrum. So I don't know what the hell's going on half the time. Like I need like help to, is this too fast? Is it too slow? Guys, I need a little feedback here. Your, th- um, your thinking is not the best thinking as, no. as, as mine isn't either. <laughs> you know, and now I have enough recovery where I can trust myself and look at it like there's mm-hmm. no life and death here. Yeah. I'm going to take risks. I'm going to make choices and try things. And if they don't work out, they're not meant to be. And there's something better coming down the line. Um, and one of the beautiful, most beautiful things I learned in program, they said, if you're dating someone and it doesn't work out and you really like them, mm-hmm. the next person that comes down the line that you start dating, that you get to make a connection with, it's going to be even better than that person was. So true. So you true. That, I'm glad you said like, that. That excitement, but that kid before Christmas morning excitement that keeps it going for me in dating when I just, you know, when I connect to that. Um, so, so what was that? High school, flash yeah. forward 15 years into the future. I don't remember having any anything happened in that time connected Mm -hmm. to that and thinking about that. What about Um, porn though? Did you ever watch any? Oh, sure. I watched porn of all everything. I watched everything. So I think that may have connected to it, but it also may have just been when you're a porn addict at a certain point, everything goes. What if I not looked at? Yeah. Like I have to look at everything. It's just like any other drug. It's like, this is not working anymore. Desensitize up up it, up the ante, make it worse, make it worse, make it more. (laughs) And I remember those, those urges or those attractions because Mm -hmm. I can use that and I can role play with that with a partner and safely and use what you're attracted to without judging myself for it. Right. Oh, well, that's good. That's beautiful so, because mostly so we that, judge ourselves, right? So what, yeah, no matter how <laughs> dark we think that sexual attraction is, it's like we're not hurting anyone. If yeah. we're acting that out with a loving partner, um, then it's fine. You get mm-hmm. to use that mold and you don't have to judge it. Even if it was that mold was broken or altered by some trauma or something. It's like, just honor that mold. If you can't change the mold and you want to just honor it and use it, find someone who's non-judgmental a partner who's willing to work with that, work with you on that. Yeah. Um, so I start dating in 2020, right before the pandemic. Yes, I remember. <laughs> uh, and uh, I said to my sponsor, like, I think and I was really scared. Like, I was just kind of like, I don't know how to like, you know, how to express this. And I said, mm-hmm. I think I want to date other genders. And I think I might have feelings for men. I'm not sure. And he said, well, are you, he, he always cuts to the last page. He gets to the point and he said, mm-hmm. are you romantically attracted to men? And at the time I said, no. And he said, okay, well, there's your answer. 
But after dating for, I don't know, about a year, mm-hmm. I realized it was not true. Mm. And I think I mentioned this on the first episode I did where my, my surrogate partner is pansexual. You and did, so yes. Learn about that and mm. go, oh, that's what pansexual is. And, and I remember one of the jokes that they made about it is like, I can't, I just can't choose because they're polyamorous. So they get to still explore the relationships with, and their uh, wife also is polyamorous gets to explore the relationships. And, and I was like, okay, you know, and so I got to explore the concept of polyamory. I technically was in a polyamorous relationship of a sort Mm -hmm. uh, and in a pansexual relationship. So that awakened me to that. And then I asked all kinds of questions about the community and they were answering them and, you know, um, and, and so I, I was like, okay. So I went to my my sponsor and I went to my therapist. And instead of asking permission, which in the past I had, I just said, I'm gonna try this. <gasps> you know, because you? it's right, because it's my life and I exactly. get to do whatever I want with it. Um, and so I opened myself up to that possibility. And I didn't have mm-hmm. um any any opportunities at first. I was talking to men and other and, and, and non-binary and trans people on the apps, but it was never coming to like actually dating. Like things, right. as you know, on the apps, you know, you chat with someone and all of a sudden they stop responding or, or you know, or whatever. I know, that's you know, why that. I hate the apps and I know they're a part of life, <laughs> but I try to tell people it's like you, it's so hard to get an authentic connection and you cannot just lean on the apps for that because it's never going to give it to you. But Most yeah, the they're time. necessary yeah. evil. I get it. I get it. <laughs> there are the amount yeah, there seems to be in my experience most of the people on the apps are either belong in our program yes. or are unavailable in some other way and are never when once things get serious it's like they they disappear well the i always first, think it's yeah. like a validation attention what oh, like sure. a fantasy the fantasy aspect all of that like the false intimacy all of that i think it's a part of it so if anybody ghosts you on an app do not take it personal they were not available they are saving you from your from the situation is how i see it they are showing you that they cannot show up for you exactly World's rejection, God's protection. 100%. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. And, and so like I, when I first started on the apps, that was I would be devastated every week that something wouldn't work out because I was so, you know, my my love addiction. I was still in a place and I was just and he's like my sponsor. I was like, I wanted to make all these restrictions and, and schedule. And he's like, you just the man, it's going to be messy. You just have to let it be messy. Yeah. And it took some time to get comfortable with the fact that I had this rich, abundant life and the apps were a part of it. To where exactly. sometimes the beginning was like I was on the apps all the time and messaging and messaging. And then at the end, I was like, I guess I got to have to go on here and do a couple of things. And all right, let's see what's new. But I was not really that connected to it as much. It was like it was a tool to get me somewhere. Um, and so I mentioned on the last episode, I, I, a woman had come back into my life that I had previously dated. And like she that ended exactly the same way it did before. So I gave her a second chance and I was interested in her. But. Ultimately, when things got serious, like my interpretation is when things got serious, she ran away. Yeah, Um, I don't know what the truth is and I never will, but it doesn't really matter. I just told them I set a boundary at the beginning. I'm only interested in dating you. I'm not interested in being in friendship. So if this doesn't work out, that's what's going to happen. And when they called 20 minutes before a date to to just stop everything, which are wonderful, which is wonderful way to handle that. Not, um, you know, I was like. I was, I remember being really kind of disappointed and I had really kind of made a lot of assumptions and thought it was going to go somewhere. And I, that was the last time during the dating process where I really 
leaned on that more. And I think this person had qualities that I was attracted to in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And that this person was just, this wasn't going to be good for me. They were what we call a qualifier in a way. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, and I just like, it, I got angry at our mutual friend that, that, you know, that had introduced us. And then I apologized and said, I'm sorry that anger was not meant for you. I, you don't owe me anything. And we, we reconciled and, mm-hmm. you know, so it was just, it was not, it was a messy moment and I got past it. And then I was but like, that's okay. a learning process, right? Exactly. Like you learned a lot from that process, taking amends and also seeing like, oh, I fell, I saw those qualities and still was attracted to them. Oh, now I need to look at that and maybe go the other way is what I always say. Exactly. And so that was exciting. So I had to, I, I used to, like, I got to avoid these pitfalls. And when I realized this, you have to actually put yourself in these situations and feel that pain mm-hmm. in order to move past it. Yep. You can't avoid certain things. And I, as somebody who's dating for the first time, I kind of had to get, I had to get all my licks in. I had to get through all of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, I'm not saying it's over anything, but certainly like, you know, I'm at a place, a much healthier place with that. So I was, you know, uh, so I decided I found, and this is someone for those of you in the community, mm-hmm. okay, Cupid, if you pay for the app, the actual premium version, you can set the filter to only show you queer profiles. So I want to oh, say that. Great. To so Good. I did that. I was okay. only looking at queer profiles and, okay. and that, that was helpful. So on that one app was my LGBTQIA plus app. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was doing that for a while and then June came around and it was pride month and there were pride parades going on. And I went to one and I had never just 36 years old, never been to a pride parade. And like for an LGBTQIA ally, that is awfully strange. Why is that? And I realized now as I was so afraid of identifying, mm-hmm. like I was still working through that fear and internalized homophobia and all this stuff to get to a place where I was like, Oh, you know, and, and when I realized as I was standing there in the parade, yeah, I just felt incredibly, incredibly safe in a way I'd never felt before. And I was uh. like, what's happening here? And then I had been what I called questioning, identified as questioning. I was searching and I wasn't sure. Yeah. And I just kind of felt God come down into me and say, you're pansexual. There's no oh. more searching to be done. Oh, my God. What a beautiful God shot moment. Like, seriously. And I have a picture of that. We took a picture together. So I have the look on my face like it's immortalized in a photograph. So I have that record there. Oh, my uh, God. You know. Oh, my God. We need that picture for the for the cover. <laughs> OK, I will send it to you. OK, OK. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I have to ask the two people in the picture first. But then, I OK, that's um, fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I had that moment and, and then I got was so excited. I, you know, put it all on my social media account. I got my hair done in rainbow color. Just yes, celebrating and I that. showed my son and he was like, oh. oh my God, I love his rainbow hair. I was like, I'm going to tell him right now. And I texted you and I was like, my son loves your rainbow hair. Yay, I remember that. So I was like, good. yay. <laughs> all the feels right here. Right, right. Um, and, and so not two weeks after I realized I was pansexual, mm-hmm. I met this guy. Where'd you and meet? Where'd you meet? On OkCupid, of course. Okay. Okay. And I remember I parked my car and I was coming up to the coffee shop for a meeting and he was right there walking in. And that's always cool when you get to see your date before they see you and you get to kind of like look at them and go like check them out a little bit. Oh my God, that's like and a movie. Look, I'm like going into my fantasy attic. Exactly. <laughs> and he was walking in the coffee shop and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. He looks good. And, 
you know, and like that's that's him. I think that's him. So we walk in and it's so cute. We're both very nervous and I'm nervous because I'm always nervous on a date. But this is the first time I'm actually dating um, a man. Yeah, where I felt I felt a connection because I did date a trans man a few. That was the one experience, I should say. But it just mm-hmm. wasn't a match. And okay. that's OK. Uh, so I didn't like connect to this person. But this time I was like, OK, we sat and we talked. And again, like there's that voice in my head. It's like, I don't know. Should you be dating a man? Maybe you can't do this. Maybe you should do it. Like, like just that, like chatter. And I was just yeah, trying yeah. to like let those that old beliefs, pass. that old beliefs, like trying this to like, yeah, happen. this yeah. is somehow wrong, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that, that male kind of attitude. My mom, that her opinion of men is still there. Like men are bad. You can't trust him. This is not going to work. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like letting those thoughts like go in that room and talk amongst yourselves, but I'm focused on this. <laughs> I don't need to hold on to these things. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I was like, wow, this guy is really, he's fun. He's funny. I like hanging out with him. Like it's a first date. So I don't really have enough data for anything mm-hmm. uh, beyond that. So I'm like, okay, we're definitely going to want a second date. And on the second date, there was really a, a really fast and big shift that happened. Okay. We talking and he was suggesting business stuff to me because he's in social media. It's like, this is how you do use your account and the videos you make and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, I got to write this down. Um, and we were hanging out and I wanted to buy him lunch and we were having lunch. He's like, no, but you can buy me a coffee. I said, okay, so we're waiting in line for coffee. And he puts his hand on my lower back. And for those of you who know who do Tantra or no chakras, that's where the sacral chakra is, which is mm-hmm. the creativity and sexuality chakra. Yes, yes. And so I felt this huge surge of electricity go through my body when he did that. That I was just standing there. I was like, uh, and I don't know what to do in this moment. I'm just like, well, I'm just, this is my private moment. I'm going to keep it to myself. But I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. um, that was something. So I drive him back to his place. I find out he doesn't have a car. He had a car accident, so he's not driving. He's fine. Mm-hmm. And so he got to all these places on the west side early taking the bus. I don't know how you do that, but he did it. Amazing. Um, and so like he we pull up, pull outside, you know, outside his place and he puts his hand on my hand, which is like oh. <laughs> just another little electricity. And he goes, I really like seeing you. I want to see you again. And he gives me a goodbye kiss. <gasps> and that turns into making out. And like, I just got activated. And I'm like, oh. I said something I've never said to anyone before. I said, can we go up to your place? Oh. And we got very close, mm-hmm. but he said he wasn't ready, which is actually I even more attractive that he's taking his time. Yes. And then I snapped back in and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really early. This is date two. And I did have a moment of insecurity and I kind of psyched myself out. I'm like, I'm really super cautious and slow and careful. Like, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And I talked to a bunch of people and I was like, is this an addictive thing? And like, no, you are going through a sexual adolescence and you've never it's one thing to be told for years, like you take it slow and like, oh, yeah, of course. But then the hormones are raging through your body and yeah. like, <laughs> my body just took over. And <laughs> that's like, not and and that's not a tendency of yours. So I no. would never say, oh, you're going into addiction because of because of that heightened hormonal <laughs> release. Right. We think of sex addicts and we think of them putting their foot on the gas all the time. And I'm the opposite. I put yeah. my foot on the brake all the time. Yes. So it was fun to just put my foot on the gas and floor it for a little bit. Yeah. And, and he was a safe person. It worked out really well. We were some cuddling and it was really nice. Aww. So, you know, so it, it was fine. It, I, I, you know, it, it worked out. 
And then, so we go on a third date and we're just, we're in the movie theater, never taking a date to a theater because of COVID. So this is great. Yeah. We're sitting there watching a movie, the, the armrest. He's like, oh, the armrest, uh, you know, can, so we're just cuddling there. We're kissing in the theater, like having that quintessential experience. Uh, we go to dinner we're talking some more, getting to know each other. And we're, and it, you know, we're at the Grove hours are going by There's you know, Grove is a big outdoor mall in LA. Yeah. Um, and it starts to shut down. And so we're like, Oh, it's getting late. Like what time is it? And so we're holding hands we're walking down the Grove and we both look at each other mm-hmm. and we go, Oh, it's time. And so we went back to his place and we had sex. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> I know. It was really just a wonderful experience and we did it safely and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had the conversation and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was willing to hold on to those boundaries and he was accepting every boundary and he's totally okay with it, which is really attractive when people respect your boundaries. Um, so, you know, and we just kept dating and then it was date five and he, I had mentioned it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't I take you to Knott's Berry Farm for your birthday? And it was so exciting, but at the same time, it was like, oh, is it too soon? Maybe, and it's like the old thing, like, do I deserve, I don't deserve this. Do I deserve yeah. this? Yeah. And finally, I just put off talking to my sponsor. I felt this fear of talking to him about it. I was afraid because I was going to tell him, my dating plan says I have sex on date four, but I had it on date three and he's going to be mad at me and all this kind of crap. So mm-hmm. my therapist is like, talk to your sponsor. So I call him up. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I'm really afraid that you're going to judge me. And I'm not saying you are, but say I'm afraid of that. And he said, I told him the thing. And he said, this all sounds sober and grounded and yeah. this all sounds fine. Go have fun. So we went to Knott's Berry Farm together. And I'm going to tell you, walking around in broad daylight, holding his hand, kissing him, cuddling with him. And like, we're, is anyone going to do anything? Is anyone going to say anything? I didn't even get nothing, not even a, a dirty look. Nothing happened. Uh, and he I talked to him about that later and he had the same thing. He's like, is anyone going to say anything? Because um, you do realize you do feel like you have a target on your back. Luckily, in L.A., not as yeah. likely. Yes. But for those of you who don't know, Knott's Berry Farm is like a Wild West themed roller coaster park near Disneyland in Southern California. And it's mostly that locals go to it because I feel like not a lot of people know about it. Yeah. And that area is kind of conservative. So yes, it's very conservative. It is very conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Um, so, but yeah, it worked fine. And then we had all you can eat sushi because you got to do that on your birthday. I mean, come I mean, on. <laughs> <it's required. laughs> so, you know, we just kept seeing each other and it's mm-hmm. been, I don't know, six or it's been seven weeks now. And I introduced him to some friends of mine and then he's going to meet a bunch of my program friends uh, next week. But last week I told him about my sloth story and I was just uh-huh. really at first I was scared. Yeah. But there was this feeling coming through me like he's a really understanding, open, nonjudgmental person. And I felt calmer the more I told him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's you're fine. You're working on it. Like, I don't doesn't bother me at all. And then he said, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Um, he said, oh, you could have told me anything and it wouldn't have mattered, you know. And I was just like, what's happening? You know, like, what is oh this? Oh, my God. You know, this that is, is amazing. So sweet. Oh, my God. I want to meet him. I was so I sweet. I know. Oh. He's, just, he's just the sweetest guy. And like. I'm working through my own stuff from my mom gave me of like, I don't trust men. I, I never know. thought I could trust a man on this level, a, a man on this level. And it's just like, he is just such a sweetheart. He told me about some of his stuff. 
mm-hmm. his trauma and he wants to take this part of it slow. And I'm like, of course, this, you know, I'm totally here for that. You know, there's no rush. And, and so, you know, now we're texting each other every day, checking in and it's really nice and talking to each other and flirting and having a good time. And, and it's like, oh, this is, you know, there's no guarantees, but like, this is what I've been heard about. This is what everyone's been talking about this whole time. Yeah. Um, but here's so, the thing I have to say, like, this is so romantic and my, I'm having like the butterflies and like yeah. loving is so romantic and so sweet. And he sounds so lovely. But the thing is you found yourself Yes, like that, no matter if it works out with him or not, you found yourself. And that even is more like exciting for me. Like you feel loved. You're loving yourself. By allowing this person into my life in, mm-hmm. in an appropriate time. And slowly over time. And mm-hmm. we would say it all the time in, on your, I am my own soulmate. Yeah. I put that on my dating profile. I think I sent you a picture of it. I put it you on my didn't, dating but profile. you need to. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what? He said that. He said, what attracted you to my profile? He said, when I read that, <gasps> I knew I had to talk to you. So oh, my God. I love it. So oh, like my God. Just putting that out there. Just being. And I didn't put it there to get it to 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 get anything from anyone. I put it there to announce, this is who I am. This is what I want. Um, You know, and so, you know, we, we uh, are getting to that point and it's like, what, what's the next step? I don't know. And I talked to my sponsor. I'm like, my dating plan says I have 10 dates. And then like, what if I'm date nine? And then he's like, just let (laughs) get out of the way. Get out of the way. No, get out of your way. Just enjoy it. Just be. And, and just being, that's where you're your own soulmate. You don't have to figure it out anymore. And I love that. And you just got to step out of the way. Cause you are yeah. okay, you know, right. and you're taken and care of and you always have you now. Exactly. So whatever happens in the future, uh, I, it'll, if, if it doesn't work out, I'll be upset and I will dust myself mm-hmm. off and get back out there because yeah. that's what I do. Um, and I'll say that I did fill an opening. So I talked to him, I mentioned in the last episode, like, how do I reconcile doing my Tantra exploration and having a partner? And yeah. I said, well, I would we hope that you would want to, he said, oh yeah, I'd love to try that. So he's down for all of that. Oh my so, God, I love it. Oh, I'm you know. so proud of you. We literally are running out of time. We literally, yes. I said, well, you should just be on my podcast now. Like you should just yeah. take over because. I'll be your Ed McMahon. Is that yeah, what you right. need to be? Yeah, like that. <laughs> but I am so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful you allowed the listeners to go on this journey with you and me especially. And just like, I'm forever in love with you and just you are a friend oh. for life. And I'm just so proud of you. And I'm just so proud of your journey. And I even got to share it with my son so i'm just like an honor to know you i'm s- so proud of you and you are your own fucking soulmate <laughs> same sweetie i feel the same about you um so i just want to say to everyone out there who's mm-hmm. exploring their sexuality or they're not sure or you know if you can get to an area you feel safe in that's great if you can't connect online to people you know do what you can and just know that how whoever you love however you love however you identify you know, you are, you know, if you, you know, we love you till you'll love yourself. Yeah. But, you know, we're here. We, you know, the LGBT community, it's not perfect. It's got its, it's, it's people. It's got its own problems as everything else does. But I've never met a group that's more, more loving and open and willing to, 
just like taking people in, like someone needs a place to stay. I don't know them, but I'm going to take them in. Like just everything, the, the, the generosity and the love and the openness in this group is just phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, it's just a joy to be a part of it. You know, yeah. it's just really a joy to be a part of it. And I just have to say, if you aren't haven't found your community that loves you, there is a yes. community out there no matter what. So keep searching. You are not alone and 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 you are worthy of it. I, I felt that I was in that place last year. And now I have two communities. I got Tantra and I got this one. And I, because I did the work, I searched. So I and you have Slaw. Don't forget a Slaw, homie. Oh, and my Slaw Jeez family. Louise. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, I love you. I adore you. Love Thank you, you for coming on and telling us this amazing story. And I'm forever grateful. <laughs> Thank you, Brianne. <laughs> and if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.